0: And on this week's show, we talk about the 2018 World Cup qualifiers, as Nigeria and Egypt have made it to Russia 2018, while Ivory Coast are in a rather precarious situation. And as well as that, we have an in-depth interview with Ghana defender Jonathan Mensah, who tells us about life in the USA, his faith and his best moments with the Black Stars.
1: I've been part of the World Cup squad, the first World Cup that I won, that was just amazing feeling you know being part of the team was even something great for
0: me also we zoom in on the uefa champions league as 39 africans are among the 32 teams playing in the group stage we start off though with the world cup qualifiers in africa just one round of games to go those are early next month and nigeria qualified with a game to spare after a win over zambia in uyo for a sixth world cup appearance So Solomon, what do you think needs to be done with the Super Eagles team leading up to the World Cup Finals in Russia?
2: Well, uh, Steve, I feel Nigeria did their best to qualify, getting a very almost near perfect record. They played uh, some two great games against Cameroon early on, winning at home and going away to Yaoundé and drawing. And unlike Nigeria, you know, previously playing against Cameroon uh, was always difficult, but this time they got it right and... We got a lot of the football fans uh, thinking that maybe Nigeria has uh, really turned the corner. Now they they're able to to perform very well, especially at the World Cup. But I feel Nigeria need to uh, to do a few things. Uh, I feel first we need to be able to get uh, a very solid goalkeeper. Uh, so we have to be able to make sure the defense, you know, is tight, neat, and. unable to support the goalkeeper Uh, there was a game that nigeria played against south africa at home in nigeria and nigeria lost that game the first time in its history losing a game to south africa at home it was an Afcon qualifying game and the way the defence let in those goals from Takolo Ranty was so shocking. And I feel these two departments are very key and very important. And currently, Nigeria is not doing so well. In the midfield, maybe we need support for um, John Michalobi. Uh, he's been moving forward quite a lot lately, playing for the Super Eagles since he moved to China, and that's a good thing because he started off as a as a number ten, as a, as, a, as a player who is a midfielder who attacks. So he's back to where he started, so that's quite good. Uh, you know, attacking wise, we the strikers we have credible strikers. You know, there's uh, Odion Ighalo, there is uh, Hinacho Kelechi. They played in the English league. I think we, Nigeria is going to do well.
0: Well, I do think the World Cup will be a huge step up for Nigeria. So yes, they do have to be solid defensively. And to Solomon, Egypt have also qualified with a game to spare after beating Congo Brazzaville. Uh, This means that Ghana miss out on the World Cup, having been to the three previous editions. There were massive celebrations in Egypt. And despite that period of dominance in African football with a hat-trick of Nations Cup titles from 2006 to 2010, Egypt haven't been to the World Cup since 1990. And uh, you do feel maybe that they have the potential to do well, Solomon? I think the current Egypt national
2: team is different from the previous ones we've seen and that won the Afghan titles. Why? Because this team is a team that when you look at them, they're all beaters. They're not just a team that, you know, is seeking to dominate Africa. I feel the team of 2006 and 2010 were fashioned out and crafted to dominate African football. Most of them came from Zama like Al Khali. And a lot of local base players, and that way, the way they were fashioned out to, to dominate African football. And they couldn't just qualify for the World Cup. You know, some people call that era the golden era of Egyptian football, but I don't think so. I think now the Egyptian team is playing more as a team, more mature, more technically gifted than the, than the previous teams. And, uh, you know, in a player like Mohamed Salah for Liverpool, finally they've gotten a player who who is really uh, up there, a player who is ready to, you know, to win games that are very difficult, games when the chips are down. And if you look at the whole team in itself, there are credible players played in Portugal, in Spain, in France, uh, in England. And I feel... With a team like that, they definitely stand a good chance of, uh, of of doing well. Hopefully, see them get into the next round. You know, not just playing a couple of games and losing and uh, not progressing uh, in the tournament.
0: Yes, this Egypt team could be something special. Now, Senegal are in control of Group D after a two-nil win away to Cape Verde, but the injured Sadio Mane might miss their remaining games. South Africa are bottom but still have their destiny in their own hands because Senegal and South Africa will play each other twice and Senegal need to win one of those games to qualify. But if South Africa win both, they top the group. So can Bafana Bafana turn it around? Steve, it's going to
2: be difficult for SA to turn it around. I feel South Africa had their chances, especially earlier on against Verde. Now they're in a very difficult position and the pressure is going to be so much on them. Uh, But South Africa currently riding high, especially after their victory over Burkina Faso. Great game, 3-1. That's a South African team that, you know, the football fans want to see. But the last two games is really going to be difficult for them to turn things around.
0: Yes, a Senegal looking good there, I'd say. And in Group C, Giants' Ivory Coast must win their final game away to Morocco, otherwise they'll miss out on the World Cup. Morocco topped the group, only the group winner qualifies, so it will be a winner-takes-all clash, although a draw will see Morocco progress. And so how do you see this one going? It's not really the same Ivory Coast of a few years ago.
2: They're in transition as a team Uh, But it's difficult for them sometimes to perform. Uh, So a lot of football fans are watching that. But Morocco, you know, is being coached by a former Ivorian coach. So I think Morocco would approach the game, especially from a technical perspective, with the coach knowing fully well that he's still familiar with the Ivorian team. Morocco has been consistent, one of the most balanced teams for me after their exit from the AFCON earlier this year, which they were very disappointed because a lot of teams expected them to get to the final, uh, which they didn't. But they're playing solid, um, very balanced. They've been able to embrace the coaching style of their current new coach.
0: Yes, coach Hervé Renard took Ivory Coast to victory in the Africa Cup of Nations in 2015 and is now the Morocco coach. So the last round of World Cup qualifying in Africa is three weeks away. We'll be following the action here on Planet Sport Football Africa. We're now to our in-depth interview with Ghana defender Jonathan Mensah, who's played at two World Cups and is currently based in the USA. Jonathan Mensah, who's 27, is not to be confused with John Mensah, another Ghana national team defender, who's 34. Well, Jonathan has 60 caps for the Black Stars. His clubs included Evian in France and Angie Makalala in Russia. And now the Columbus Crew in the USA in their Major League Soccer, where he plays alongside another Ghana international, Harrison Aful. In this interview with Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint, Jonathan talks about life in the USA, his faith and his best moments with the Black Stars. He joined the Columbus crew in January and we asked if he feels he's found a home in the USA.
1: Oh yeah, um, you know, this place is like my second home now and uh, it's been, you know, quite a great experience for me and, uh, you know, I've done. I can now call this place uh, my home. Um, it's It's been amazing so far, you know, since I came. The guys has been awesome. And uh, I have, uh, you know, my mini family here that is there, having my Ghanaian brothers around me, Harrison, Mohammed Abu, and uh, Abubakar Lala. You know, it's been very great, and I hope it continues like that.
3: You're, at this stage, very experienced now. You've played in some great places, some great leagues around the world, such as Italy, France, you're in Russia, and now in the USA. Are you a better player because you've been able to travel and play in all of these leagues?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, we keep learning, we keep growing through all the leagues we've been through. And I think, yeah, I'm a better player and even a much better person because, I'm not to be saying this, but, you know, this is this is what I believe I am now as a person and as a footballer. So, you know, it's it's been a great run and uh, I pray that um, I'm still going to be healthy so
3: that I can, I can still do what, what I love. So Jonathan, with us talking about the Premier League, what do you make of the crazy transfer market around the world at the moment? As a player, is the money being splashed around exciting or do you think it's bad for the game?
1: Um, you know, it depends on you know the player, the team he's going to, the team he's from, and now you know it's it's a whole lot. You know, you cannot say now it's just it's just football, but now it's you know the organizations are getting bigger, getting more sponsors, getting more TV rights, getting more money in the game, and it's you know you need big money, you need big uh, players. To, to make these kind of deals work and me I think you know some of the amounts are kind of ridiculous but you know as I said yeah everything in the in the sports now is changing you know business wise is growing so everything else around it grows also so you know I cannot say much about it but I would just I will just you know be, be in it and just and just uh, enjoy my moment
3: and what are some of your standout favourite moments from the national team you've been involved in some great games you played in two world cups are there some things that stand out for you um
1: i would say yeah the first uh first of all being part of the world cup squad the first world cup that i went that was just amazing feeling you know being part of the team was even something great for me and even being part of the starting lineup was even greater so going out there doing what i love in front of you know, thousands of people rep- representing my country, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of great players in, in, in the country. And, you know, I was just, you know, honored to be part of the team. That being said, you know, being part of the starting lineup, it was just amazing. So I would say, you know, being part of the team and being able to play uh, some great games, you know, it's, it's just amazing.
3: And off the pitch, Jonathan, you're very open about your faith in Jesus. Why is that so important to you?
1: Um, it, it is really, really important to me because um, I am, for Christ, first before I am a footballer. So uh, now that I'm a footballer, I have to, I still have to do what I used to do before, that is still believing in Christ, doing what Christ uh, Once I do doing his well, doing uh, the right things, and you know, I cannot, I cannot do anything without him because you know he's he's made me who I am now. He knew what I was going to be before I was even born. So you know, I cannot do anything without him, and that is that is how I was brought up, and that is how I'm going to grow up until the end of time.
3: Yeah, on some of your social media, you've written, "I live for him, I play for him." Do you write that because you want people to read it and to know that that's what you're all about?
1: No, I don't. I don't. I don't just want people to just say, "Oh, uh, Jonathan is is always writing about Christ," and then he's not doing what Christ insists of him. So I just, I just want to create the awareness that. No matter what it is, whether I play, I win, I lose, I draw, I do all that to His glory. So if I go out there, I'm just representing Christ before my team, myself, my family, and all that. So I live for Him, I play for Him, and I do all things to His glory. So let's say after the game, I'm living my life normal, I'm still living for Christ. If I play on the field, I play for Him. Whether I lose, I draw, I win it's all to his glory I would say we lost today so oh God where were you no I know he was there for me I know he's always there for me and I know he's always gonna be there for me but <laughs> myself my team I think we you know we fell shot somewhere that is why we couldn't win the game so I would still say thank you God thank you Jesus for keeping me safe for keeping the fans safe keeping all my team safe his love is so strong He's always there for us, no matter what we go through. So, so I'm just cl- trying to set an example for other people. For you know, it's it's not about me telling you, but it's about you testing it. Because if you go to Christ, you you see that feeling in it that no one can explain to you. Because I can see whatever in the world, whatever that I can say in the world to you, but it's up to you to believe in your heart, have faith, and you see the power of, of Christ in you.
3: So how has knowing Jesus changed your life and the way that you live?
1: It is. It is because um, I, I knew I knew his name before but I didn't really know who he was to me. I didn't know he was my best friend before. I didn't know he was, you know, my, my saviour, my, my everything. So since I got to really know who he, he is, I kind of like want to do everything to, to his club, because if I'm not playing football, I'll still be serving him, I'll still be his son, so it means a lot to me, now that I've found him, I think it's, it, it, it means everything to me, because all we're doing now is going to just go by, it's just going to pass with time, but he's always going to be there, so if you were him, you're always going to have eternal life.
0: That's Ghana defender Jonathan Mentzer talking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint about his football and his faith. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show any time. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show any time on the app and also access past programmes in our archive. You can listen too to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com. There's pictures of the whole team up there as well, in case you're wondering what we all look like. And our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now we turn to social media, and the under-17 FIFA World Cup is underway in India, with Africa the most successful continent in the history of the tournament. Nigeria has won it five times and Ghana twice. This time, Nigeria failed to qualify, but Africa's representatives there, Ghana, Guinea, Mali and Niger. And we asked you, which team do you think will go furthest for Africa? On Facebook, Bakari Tamba in the Gambia says, I'm going for the Black Stars to bring the trophy back to Ghana. On WhatsApp, Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone agrees, saying Ghana will go furthest for Africa. The reason is that they have a formidable squad that will be able to challenge any team in Europe, says Jesse. They've stayed together and played together, and I think they will win it this time. Karamba Darbo in The Gambia also agrees, saying Ghana are good in international competitions at both youth and senior level. And Stanley, in Ghana, offers some patriotic optimism, saying Ghana will progress furthest from the African teams, followed by Mali, says Stanley. This is because looking at the effort the senior team put in at the recent Wafu Cup, they perform well, and if the under-17s keep it up, they will go further. And that's a point picked up by Desmond Tunde-Koka in Sierra Leone. I haven't followed them through the qualifiers, says Desmond, but I think Ghana will go further because looking at the just-concluded Wafu Cup, we saw lots of young lads in the squad. Yes, uh, Ghana hosted and won the Wafu Cup, although uh, there weren't actually any under-17 players in that squad. In Malawi, Epritha Kamanga says Ghana can perform wonders. And Samson Makawa, also in Malawi, agrees, saying it's hard to predict as football nowadays has changed its shape and names don't matter these days. However, I do go for Ghana, says Samson. Ishmael Saidu Kanu in Sierra Leone says I think Ghana will go up to the final considering their current young crop of players. And a Cherno Jallo in the Gambia thinks two African teams will make an impression in India. I believe Ghana and Guinea will go far in the tournament, says Cherno. Ghana has the experience in such competitions, and Guinea, after recently professionalising their domestic league, has a pool of talents to call upon. Major Mamadou Soumare in the Gambia says, I'm in for Niger because their senior team performed well at the Wafu tournament. Watch and see what Niger can do, says Mamadou. Mohamed Ba, also in the Gambia, agrees. I think Niger will go far because they're making their debut in this competition and they have fantastic talents these days, says Mohamed. Weniger well, did well to beat North Korea 1 0 in their opening game, but then went down 4 0 to Spain in their second group match. Mamadou B. Jallou in the Gambia says that this time Mali will progress the furthest as they have quality players. And Abdullah Kebe, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying Mali will go furthest because they have a good team. Uh, They are, of course, uh, the African champions, uh, so they do carry some hopes. Uh, Abdu in the Gambia, though, doesn't rate the African team's chances at all, saying they don't have a chance of winning the Under-17 World Cup, says Abdu. Well, thanks very much for all of those views. We'll see how far the African teams can go in India at the Under-17 World Cup. Uh, This week we're asking, is the Ballon d'Or shortlist fair for Africa? Uh, The 30-man shortlister for the Player of the Year, the 2017 Ballon d'Or, includes only two Africans. That's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of Borussia Dortmund and Gabon and Senegal and Liverpool forward Sadio Mane. So, are there any others that you think should have been on the shortlist, or is this a fair reflection of how African players are faring around the world? You can go onto our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Is the Ballon d'Or 30-man shortlist fair for Africa? Should there have been more, or you think it's okay as it is with just obama Yang and sadio mane among the 30 well now let's go to our european football expert stuart weir in the uk and as well as the drama of the world cup qualifiers in africa there's been qualifiers all around the world argentina making it just thanks to a messy hat trick but Chile missing out in south america Portugal topping their group in Europe to qualify automatically by beating Switzerland on the last day of qualifiers and the Netherlands missing out. The USA also missed out, meaning that the continental champions of Africa, South America and CONCACAF all have failed to make it to the World Cup That's Cameroon, Chile and the USA all not going to Russia next year. Well, Stuart, you have some observations
4: for us on the World Cup qualifiers. Well, Steve, England have had a bit of criticism for how they've been playing the World Cup qualifiers, but they have got three Harrys in the team. Harry Kane, Harry Winks and Harry Maguire. And this is the first time we've ever had three Harrys. And in fact, from 1955 to 2014, we didn't have any player called Harry. Bet you didn't know that. It seems that the size of your country doesn't make a great impact on your chances in the World Cup. Because... India, with 1.3 billion people, are not going to qualify for the World Cup. Yet Iceland, with 340,000, will be in Russia. They qualified, winning their group. Hmm. Now, the government in Scotland is currently the Scottish National Party, which is a fairly left wing in their politics. And this is actually reflected in the Scotland football team, which selected nine left-footed players for their last game. Good to see they're following the trend. Um, Steve, we talked a bit about African goalkeepers. I have another statistic to throw at you. There have been 43 American players who've played in the Premier League since the beginning and eight of those have been goalkeepers and there have been 48 Australians and nine of them were goalkeepers. It's really quite interesting, isn't it, how there should be such a disproportionate amount of goalkeepers from those two countries among the players who've been in the Premier League. I wonder if there's a reason for that. And finally... I'm sure you noticed that Belgium beat Bosnia-Herzegovina 4-3 in a World Cup qualifier. And this is the first game of the 396 World Cup qualifiers played on all continents where both teams have scored at least three goals. (laughs)
0: Well, I saw the scoreline, but I didn't realise that statistic, Stuart. And very interesting what you're saying there about uh, goalkeepers, as we were asking recently why so few Africans have made it as goalkeepers of top clubs in Europe. Very, very few over the years. So it's of note that keepers from Australia and the USA are rated very highly and have been very successful. Well, the UEFA Champions League is coming back with midweek games to look forward to and to steward a lot of Africans playing in the group stage
4: of the competition. Well, Steve, I have counted 39 Africans with the 32 uh, teams in the Champions League. Now, of course, there are some teams like Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain, Roma, some of the big teams that don't have any African players. On the other hand, Anderlecht have got six Africans. Sadly, uh, they've lost both their games, but you know, they've got Hariboy from Tunisia, Okaruri from Nigeria, Hani from Algeria, uh, Dado Mohamed from Ghana, and also Soa from Ghana, and Kara from Senegal. Incidentally, it's Senegal, who have most representation in the Champions League, uh, six players, Ivory Coast five, then Nigeria five, and uh, a lot of countries represented, as we'll see if we talk on. Now, Olympiacos in Greece have sadly lost both their games, but I mean, they have got three quite interesting Africans in their squad. They've got uh, Papasise from... Senegal. And now they've got Alex Romeo from Togo. And, you know, I'm always looking for Togo players. Quite exciting. And he played for five years in France and he's now in Greece. And they've also got Emmanuel Emaniki from Nigeria, who of course played at West Ham and didn't really make a great impact, um, one would have to say. And it always fascinates me how Africans get to obscure countries. For example, Sonny Omerigi from Nigeria, who's playing for Marabor in Slovenia. And there's even an African in Azerbaijan. Dido in love, a South African, playing in Azerbaijan for Karabeg. Uh, Sadly, they've lost both their games and are probably not going to make a great impact. Uh, Feyenoord have got two Moroccans and Amrabat scored in their last game. Uh, Sadly, they've lost both their games. And for you, Steve, I have noted that Celtic have Kundai Benyu, a 19-year-old Zimbabwean, who's already played in two Champions League games uh, this season for Celtic. Another fascinating one is Mikhail Potti, a Benin player, who's playing in Cyprus at Apul Nicosia. Now, they're not a strong team, they won't make much impact, but he's already played in the Champions League against Real Madrid, so these opportunities do come along. I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Boubacar from Cameroon has scored two goals for Porto. Uh, Porto are doing all right, a win and a defeat. And they've also got Marega from Mali, and Brami from Algeria. So three Africans there in, in Porto. So, Steve, I could talk about this all day. That's probably enough now. But there really are these 39 Africans spread around the teams. And we'll just keep in touch with them and see how they do as the competition progresses.
0: Well, thanks very much for that, Stuart. And the next UEFA Champions League matches uh, this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. And the English Premier League back this weekend after the international break. The big game is on Saturday, Liverpool taking on Manchester United, but uh, the Reds without the injured Sadio Mane. Also to look out for this weekend, the host for the 2018 African Nations Championship will be announced on Saturday. It's either Morocco, Equatorial Guinea or Ethiopia to host the tournament for the locally-based players at the start of next year. This after the right to host was taken away from Kenya, who were too far behind in their preparations. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and on WhatsApp, we're asking, is the Ballon d'Or shortlist fair for Africa? The 30-man shortlist for the Player of the Year includes only two Africans. That's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from Gabon and Senegal's Sadio Mane. So are there any others from Africa who should have been on the shortlist? Or is this a fair reflection of how things are? You can give us your thoughts on Facebook, that's on our page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Oshoms in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport. Production.